Hi, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney. And this is Caffeinated Crimes. Welcome to an espresso, which we have not done in a while, I feel like. So something exciting, a little a little different um, in case you are new here. Um, our espressos are where one of us does the research on our own and tells it to the other person. So you kind of get that real reaction of, hey, here's a story that you've never heard before. And it kind of gives the other person a little break on researching and preparing and all that fun stuff. Um, we do get really good feedback that people like this format. So hopefully you guys enjoy today's espresso. Yeah, it is fun like researching it because I'm like, I hope Jacqueline says this here or I hope, you know, (laughs) I hope this comes off like I want it to come off. Like I remember when I did the um, Christian Bala case because it was so crazy Mm -hmm. and I was like, I can't wait for all the reactions from this case. (laughs) Yes, because I think that's something that Courtney and I enjoy a lot about the podcast is while we're like researching together, we're like texting the other person like, oh my God, did you see this? Or then this happened and, you know, it's so much fun to like have that moment. So you guys just get to hear those moments when we do these. Yeah, like Jacqueline had a moment last night when she was researching. Yes, I did have a moment for an episode that's coming up. I don't even know how many weeks now, probably like four-ish or Three, something. Four, four, five, I don't know. <laughs> but I was typing <laughs> around midnight on July 10th, and then I looked up at my computer and I was like, today is July 10th. And it was July 10th, 2001, and I was like, today's the 20th anniversary, like in like two hours is the 20th anniversary of when this happened. And I was a little <laughs> spooked for the rest of the night, I'm not going to lie, it kind of threw me off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is always weird like when they line up like that and you're just like, yeah. ooh, holy cow. Which this isn't the first time that's happened. Like this has happened probably Mm -hmm. three or so times at this point, which is pretty crazy if you think about the fact that there's 365 days in a year and somehow we've done this multiple times. They just line up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And last night what I did was I took a little break from working and research. And in case you guys are a fan like I am, Whose Line Is It Anyway is on HBO Max. (laughs) I loved that show as a kid and so did Kevin apparently. And so we just like picked random episodes and just sat on the couch and laughed and it was a great time. So I just had to share that with you guys. That sounds like a good time. I like remember as a kid staying up late to watch that show on ABC Family Mm -hmm. and I loved it. And so yeah, we just sat and just laughed at all the stupid shit they come up with. So if you guys are a huge Who's Lines It Anyway <laughs> fan, you should go check that out immediately. That definitely sounds like a good time and a nice break from all the other heavy stuff of the world and work and everything. <laughs> yeah, I needed, like, we just watched two episodes. I was like, I just need a moment. I just need something not serious, not, I just need, I need Who's Lines It Anyway. That is what <laughs> I need in my life. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to enjoy that. Um, And speaking of the heaviness of the world and all the sad things, here we go. So a couple of true crime updates for you guys this week. Um, Just yesterday, Wayne Cousins, who was the police officer in London that kidnapped, raped, and murdered Sarah Everard, um, he did plead guilty to murder this week. Um, He had already pled guilty to kidnap and rape, um, but did also plead guilty to the murder this week. So he has not been sentenced yet. That is coming. Um, But at least her family and friends will not have to go through a trial and everything that comes with that. um, Courtney and I were both very surprised. Um, It may be different over there, but in the United States, uh, police officers do not plead guilty to anything ever. So yeah, I was very shocked when it was like, he just pled guilty and wasn't, you know, 
Um, I don't, I haven't done too much like background research on him himself Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So I don't know if there's like some other reason he's doing this or whatever, but Hey, if you want to set the scene and just start with, you know, let's just go ahead. You're right. I did it. I'll go ahead and plead guilty. Other officers follow suit. (laughs) Yes, definitely. We also kind of have an update a few episodes ago, last episode. Don't remember. Um, We talked about the condo building in Miami that collapsed. Um, So they have updated. There are 90 confirmed dead and there's still 31 people unaccounted for. Um, I mean, I'm not assuming it's going to be good for those other 31 people, but, um, they have been finding a few more of the bodies. Um, I did see they finally condemned the rest of the building. Like they didn't immediately do that. Like the other people, like, I was like, what, (laughs) what do you mean? You didn't immediately. Like, are you still living there? Like what? (laughs) Yeah. What's happening? Um, they did, I think, condemn the rest of the building. So, um, hopefully those other 31 people will be found so their families can have, um, I don't know, closure is kind of a bad word, but at least just know where their loved ones are. Yeah, definitely. Such a sad situation. Um, like everything is like this whole podcast is, but you know, that's what you guys are here for. So (laughs) clearly (laughs) some part of you, um, is interested in it just like we are, or you wouldn't be here, or maybe you just really like us as people. So, you know. I don't know. I mean, unlikely, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not the case, but... (laughs) We had a whole intro talking about toenails. I don't think that's why the people keep coming back. (laughs) Wait, you're telling me this part isn't why people are here? Because I thought people just found our toenail conversation riveting. I really did. (laughs) There might be someone out there who just listens to the intro skips the crime and then listens to our perk of the week if you're out there let us know it would completely shock me (laughs) it's probably our family but probably but not my dad because he listens to every word of every episode and then makes sure to text me and tell me his thoughts about it so i know you're listening to the whole thing dad appreciate it So the sources for today's episode um, is an episode of 48 Hours, which was season 30, episode 4, an Oxygen.com article, and two Sun Sentinel articles. On September 30th, 2011, 66-year-old millionaire Lanny Horowitz was found dead by a gunshot wound in his bathroom. There was no sign of forced entry, and both Lanny's son and ex-wife were home at the time of his death. So who murdered Lanny Horowitz? Courtney, any guesses? It was me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so you said it was... Who was in the house? His son uh-huh. and his ex-wife. Ex-wife is too obvious. I'm going to say it's the son. Or it's okay. probably going to be some random intruder. <laughs> okay, let's see. So, Lanny Horowitz first started working for his father as a real estate agent at the age of 16. Um, he was wildly successful from a young age and quickly became a millionaire. In 1967, he married his high school sweetheart, Donna. They soon had their only son, Radley, and Donna stayed home to care for him while Lanny pursued multiple successful business ventures. So he is just getting into, like, all kinds of things. Like, he's just really doing all the business things, making all the money like a white man in the 60s can do, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Lanny and Donna owned sailboats, airplanes, and homes all over the country. They frequently traveled internationally and just led a very lavish lifestyle. 
But after 30 years of marriage, Donna started to feel ignored and neglected. So Lanny was often away on business and she didn't feel like she received enough of his attention. Um, Friends of Lanny's claimed that Donna had had multiple affairs during this time because of her need for attention. So the couple did divorce in May of 2001. However, they quickly remarried in September of 2001, which is just a few months later. Which I feel like a divorce is usually very expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that's pretty crazy when you get married like right after. Yeah, it's like that's that's a lot of money and time and everything for you to. And they have a lot of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, but they did divorce again in June of two thousand two. So married and divorced twice. Hey, they already had the plan. They already had the plan there, and they're like, "All right, just reenact this." <laughs> like, Thank we'll just you. keep this. Just copy and paste next time. It'll be fine. <laughs> Just if you get divorced and you want to get back together, just date for a little bit. Don't get married. Figure it out that way. (laughs) Exactly. Or just don't get married again at all, period, and just be together that way and, you know, don't involve the courts and, you know, whatever. Do you. I don't know. (laughs) So their son Radley began working for his father once he reached adulthood, and he soon married and had his own daughter, um, but they would also divorce, so Radley would become a single father. So he started having some financial troubles, so he moved in with his dad in a wealthy housing development called Admiral's Cove. Um, So this was a very safe, gated community, low crime, 24-7 security, and multi-million dollar homes. So I think we all have a good picture of what this place looks like. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, Donna and Lanny reconciled, and Donna moved into the home with him and Radley. So they waited like 10 years this time. They just can't quit each other. They cannot. (laughs) So Radley claims that on the morning of September 30th, 2011, he woke up to gunshots in the home and the home security alarm going off. He said he heard dry fire, which is the clicking sound made by a trigger of an empty gun, and then his mom screaming for him. So he ran to his parents' bedroom and he found his father dead on the bathroom floor. His mom was hysterical and Radley knew immediately that he was already dead. Um, So he turned off the alarm, which had been triggered by the sound of glass breaking because one of the bullets pierced the shower door. Um, So a security officer quickly showed up because of the alarm, because remember, this is a very well-secured community. So when the security officer arrived, the gun was in Lanny's hand, and Radley told him that his father was dead by a gunshot, so the security officer assumed that he had died by suicide, and that's how he called it in to 911. So police arrived and began questioning Donna and Radley, again still assuming that this was a suicide. Um, And at the time, Donna was heard saying, quote, he's so mean, he's been saying he would do this. Um, Then she said that she didn't hear anything before finding him. So she said that she didn't hear any gunshots. She just walked in and found him dead on the floor with a gun in his hand. So after she said this, she then just clammed up and refused to speak to police anymore. She wouldn't say anything else. Um, So Radley was very stoic and calm while Donna just was hysterical, but refusing to talk. Um, At one point, she covered her ears and said, I can't hear you when the police were trying to talk to her. So she's just uh, hysterical. Yeah. So the coroner finally arrived to remove the body 10 hours later. That's a long time. That's a very long time. I mean, they are assuming that it's a suicide, but I assume you're still going to do an investigation. And that's a really long time to wait for the coroner to arrive. Because that throws off everything, like all of your, if you're trying to investigate, like your estimates of when they died, like any evidence, Uh like everything's thrown off. Exactly. I feel like, too, most of the time that 
any suicide is investigated to make sure that it's a suicide, right? Especially yeah. like there's usually like in this manner pictures taken, you know, different yeah. stuff to like look at the scene and be like, okay, this is what it seems to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if they would have arrived earlier, they would have quickly discovered that Lanny had been shot nine times. So pretty sure this was not a suicide. Yeah. So in a case that's coming up. Um, there was some research that two shot suicides, sometimes three, is can be common. Nine mm-hmm. is not common. <laughs> nine. No, I don't think you can shoot yourself nine times and survive to keep going to the ninth shot. Yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, I think, I think if you missed the first four, you might just <laughs> stop trying. <laughs> You're like, give up on this plan because this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working, y'all. <laughs> so at this point, you know, everyone is still just like roaming around the house, just doing their thing. So now the coroner's like, okay, stop. This is clearly a homicide. Like everyone's got to go. We have to treat this as a crime scene. Ten hours later, I don't know what good that's going to do, but it's finally happened. And the police were there, right? Like, I mean. Yeah. How yeah. far was their head up their ass to not be like, one, two, three, Wait a minute. Four. Am I going to have to do math? Because I think this isn't adding up. <laughs> <laughs> so they found that a bullet had traveled through the shower door and Lanny had been shot while in the shower and then shot an additional nine times with the final one being through his mouth. So basically they think that he like stumbled out of the shower after the first shot and was then shot multiple times at a very close range. So while searching the house, police found 26 guns and thousands of rounds of ammunition. Okay, Tex MacGyver. <laughs> yes, so a lot going on here. Yeah. Um, two revolvers that had recently been fired were found in the bedroom and did match the ballistics from the crime scene. So the murder weapon, two murder weapons are in the home. Okay. Um, both of them did have blood smears on them. One gun was registered to Lanny and the other was registered to Donna. Um, Police discovered that there were no signs of forced entry, and the alarm only went off because of the sound of the shattered glass from the shower. So it wasn't, there were no signs of, like, anyone breaking into the home. home. It just had, like, a a sound trigger for broken glass, which is what set off the alarm, which is what prompted the security officer. So at this point, they're like, okay, clearly it had to be either Radley or Donna, Mm -hmm. because there are no signs that anyone has broken into this home He was shot with his own gun that is still left in the home, so pretty obvious at this point. And it seems like his son or his ex-wife would have seen someone leaving the home. You would think so. Because they did find him Mm semi-soon. Yeah. So during their investigation, they also discovered Donna's journal. So at first, she wrote about spending time with her granddaughter and just normal everyday activities. Then she started writing about reconciling with Lanny. Um, She said that he asked her to loan him $200,000, and then if she did so, she could move back in with him. So just give me two hundred grand, and we can live together. That's totally normal, right? No red flags there. Totally easy. Yes. So five months after moving in together, her journal entries started getting darker, and she wrote that Lanny was playing games with her. Um, And then a woman named Francine Tice was introduced. So Francine and Lanny became business partners, but spent a lot of time together. And Donna really became obsessed with Francine. And in her journal, she started documenting her every move. And she would like 
Francine arrived at this time and Lanny left with her at this time and Lanny arrived home at this time and just very specific, like, she's stalking this woman. Mm -hmm. Um, There were also photos at this time of Lanny and Francine kissing and holding hands. So seems like there's something going on here. Um, Their friends reported that there was definitely a sexual relationship between the two, but Francine has continued to deny this. Obviously, Lanny's not around to tell his side, but Francine says there was nothing going on. So Lanny also did not get along with his son, Radley. So Radley called his father an evil bastard and said that he had done many bad things to him throughout his life. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) (laughs) So in September of 2011, Lanny was scheduled to go on a business trip with Francine, and he told Donna that he wanted her out of the home by the time that he returned. So clearly their five months of sort of marital bliss again for the third time was not working out. So, Lanny was murdered the morning he was supposed to leave on this trip. Interesting. <laughs> um, Radley gave a DNA sample and agreed to have his hands tested for gunshot residue after his father's death, and that did come back negative. Um, Donna refused to answer any questions, like we said before, and did ask to speak to an attorney. Um, like we've said on this podcast many times before, that does not imply that you are guilty. Just because you refuse to talk and want to speak to an attorney does not mean you did it. That is your right, and you should definitely do that. But it does make her look suspicious to everyone at this point. Yeah, it looks suspicious, but also highly recommend. 10 out of 10 yes. recommend doing that. <laughs> definitely. So, investigators did not examine either of their clothes and did not perform a gunshot residue test on Donna's hands for some reason, even though they know clearly at this point that it was one of them, but they didn't test her. Whew, Lord, your tax dollars at waste right there. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, their clothes were not tested, like I said, but there was also no obvious blood on either of them, something to keep in mind. Um, And since Lanny was shot nine times at close range, you would assume that the killer would be covered in blood. Um, Like we mentioned already, he was also found fairly quickly after his death because the security officer responded to the alarm. So this wouldn't give the killer a lot of time to dispose of their clothes or any other evidence, which is maybe why the murder weapon was still in the bedroom. Did it say in this house how many bathrooms there were by chance? At least two. Because, like, if he shot in his bathroom, could the killer have a bathroom to clean up in? You know what I mean? Am I? That's a good question, Courtney. That's a good question. Okay. (laughs) We'll get to that. (laughs) So, six days after Lanny's death, Donna was arrested for his murder. Um, Her defense attorney argued that Radley was actually the one that killed Lanny. He believed that he's the only one with motive because he inherited around $500,000 and multiple homes, cars, and other assets at the time that Lanny died. Um, As his ex-wife, Donna would receive nothing. So if you look at motive, Radley clearly has the motive here because usually you look at the wife, but they're already divorced. She's not going to get anything from his death. Donna's defense also argued that Radley had moved into his father's home because he was in financial trouble, so it would make the most sense for him to murder him for money. He also said that the shooter had to have been taller than Lanny based on the angle of the wounds and the blood spatter, which would rule out Donna. Again, as we said many, many times, blood spatter evidence is not accurate or reliable, so take that with what you will. Mm -hmm. And then finally, they argued that clearly it was Radley because Radley was also a convicted felon. So, prior to working with his dad, Radley had been a licensed gun dealer, so he bought an illegal gun part online that could convert his Glock pistol into an automated weapon. 
So this brought him to the attention of ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, but he wasn't arrested, which I feel like has something to do with being a rich white man. I don't know, just a guess there. Yeah, that's usually how that works. (laughs) Yeah. So, Radley claims that he bought the gun part at his father's suggestion. So then, in 2006, Radley was arrested for selling a handgun to a felon. So, because he was on their radar for this whole time, this is why, part of the reason why he was arrested and found selling a gun to a felon in 2006. So Radley spent five months in prison, and he always blamed his father for this. So he said if his father had not encouraged him to buy the illegal gun part, he wouldn't have been on ATF's radar, and he wouldn't have been caught selling the gun to the felon. But you're also a grown-ass man, so take some Mm -hmm. responsibility for yourself. (laughs) Exactly. But at one point after his father's death, Radley said, quote, I'm glad he was alive long enough to know this was payback for everything bad he's done. So, okay. Um hmm. honestly, I'm getting spoiled rich kid vibes. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Like you went and moved in with your dad in his nice ass house and probably I'm sure his dad gave him as much money as he wanted and access to whatever. He was not hurting mm-hmm. for anything. And then you're going to say all this? Like don't bite the hand that feeds you. Like <laughs> yes. And Radley was also reported by family members to have spoken ill of his father during the funeral. So again, your father who has paid your way for all this time, and you're just talking shit about him at his funeral after he was murdered. Over something, I mean, I get it, you were charged, whatever. Like, but it's not like he murdered your loved one in front of (laughs) you. Like... Right. And just have a little bit of respect. Like, you don't have to like your father, but, like, don't trash him at the wedding. Like, at mm-hmm. the wedding. At <laughs> the funeral. <laughs> wherever we're at. <laughs> just in general, don't trash him. Don't, especially don't, when he's... Yeah, just... It's not necessary. We don't have to mm-hmm. do that. And, like you said, like, he made the decision to buy the weapon. It wasn't like... Like, his father told him to do it. Okay. But you're a grown-ass man. You can't blame him for actually doing what he told you that you should do. It's not like your father set you up and you took the fall for him or something. Like, you Mm -hmm. just were like, hey, is this a good idea? And he was like, I don't know, maybe, sure. And now you're like, it's his fault. It's all your fault. (laughs) Again, spoiled rich kid, for sure. So during Donna's trial, the defense tried every possible way to claim that Radley had killed his father. So CSI technicians had documented that luminol lit up on the sink and the faucets in Radley's bathroom. But luminol can also light up for cleaning products. And obviously a sink and a faucet is very likely to have residue from a cleaning product on it. Um, And the CSI CSI tech that testified at trial also said that cleaning products usually light up differently than blood. So it's not like an exact science of like, This shade is this, and this Mm -hmm. shade is blood. But she said usually it shows up a little bit differently, and then it appeared to her that the stains on the sink were more likely cleaning products than blood. Um, But the defense did get her to say that it was possible that it was blood because the luminol did light up. And again, this is all over Radley's sink. So Mm -hmm. someone in the home had to have cleaned up blood from their body because there's no way that you could shoot someone nine times at point-blank range and not have blood on you. Yeah. So the defense also claimed that maybe Radley had hired a hitman to kill his father instead of killing him himself. So this would explain why Radley would have the motive and would still benefit, but why there was no blood or gunshot residue on him. 
There also wouldn't be any signs of forced entry if Radley had let him in or left something open Mm -hmm. for him to enter the home. And another piece of evidence they used to back up this theory was that DNA was found in a bloody handprint on a gate inside the home that didn't match Lanny, Donna, or Radley. Um, But the CSI tech did testify that the test would have picked up any DNA that was left on the gate from someone touching it at any time. Um, So it was not necessarily like associated with the bloody handprint. It just kind of came up Mm -hmm. where the bloody handprint was. But obviously a gate is a common object for anyone in the home to touch. So it could have been any guest that had visited at any point that DNA could still be left on it from. Mm -hmm. And prosecutors also argued that the hitman theory didn't make sense because Lanny was killed with his own gun. So what kind of professional hitman is going to come in and try to find the person's gun that you're going to kill instead of bringing in your own gun yeah i guess unless radley was just like here use this gun we're gonna frame my mom (laughs) see and that was another point that they brought up was if the hitman had been hired by the son who lived in the home wouldn't he want it to definitely look like an intruder like why would he give him Mm -hmm. this gun to use because If you're trying to make it look like it was someone else, you're not going to give them any more reason to think that it was someone in the home. You would also think if it was a hitman, you'd be like, hey, show some signs of forced entry so we can say it was a random intruder and not pointing to me and my mom. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So So Donna's defense is basically like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know. So Donna did decline to testify at trial, and the jury deliberated for only two hours before finding Donna guilty of first-degree murder. So two hours is a very, very short period of time to decide someone is guilty of murder. Yeah, that's quick. (laughs) Yeah. She was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So Donna appealed her conviction, and four years later she won, and her conviction was overturned. So the judge said that Donna's right to remain silent was violated in her first trial because in closing arguments, the prosecutor said that Donna refused to talk to police when they initially thought that Lanny's death was a suicide and that she hadn't been read Miranda rights at that point. So the jury should consider that an admission of guilt. And basically the judge came back and was like, you can't say that because you still have the right to remain silent. So Mm -hmm. you can't tell the jury that someone should be considered guilty for refusing to speak. So basically because of that prosecutor, her conviction was overturned. So then she went on trial for Lanny's murder again, because that's what you do when it's overturned because of a technicality, Mm -hmm. unless you're Bill Cosby. Um, So Francine Tice testified at this trial and again claimed that she did not have a sexual relationship with Lanny, um, but they did play a voicemail that she had left Lanny asking him to come over for quote, a quickie and a drink. Okay. So Francine laughed when the voicemail was played and said that a quickie is what they called a drink and there was nothing sexual about it. Okay. There's some (laughs) words that you can like try and like say mean something else, but I think it's pretty universal what a quickie means. (laughs) Especially because she said a quickie and a drink. So you you want to come come over for a drink drink and a drink? drink? (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You should have been like, Mm -hmm. no, I meant like a quick movie, a quick show, something else. (laughs) Some quick sand would make more sense. Like, (laughs) quick snack and a drink. (laughs) That's what a quickie is. 
So during this trial, Donna's defense painted Francine as another possible suspect in Lanny's murder. So I mean, her defense, they're going for it. But I mean, it could make yeah. sense, like if you did have some sort of relationship with him and you were going on a mm-hmm. business trip with him and you go to meet him and then you're mad and you see a gun, like it could happen. Mm-hmm. And also, Francine received $200,000 from Lanny's life insurance policy. Ah, uh, that's suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she did also have a permit for a concealed weapon, which I don't really consider that much of evidence because he was clearly shot with his own gun. So I don't really know why that matters unless yeah. it's just pointing to the fact that she knows how to use a gun. That could make sense. Like she knows how to use a gun, but it's also like, I'm pretty sure using a gun to kill someone is illegal. <laughs> it's a yeah. misuse of a firearm there. <laughs> So Francine claimed that she didn't know that she was on Lanny's life insurance policy until after his death. So she's like, I didn't even know that I was going to get money. So Donna's second trial lasted for four days and the jury was deadlocked at first, but eventually did come back guilty for second degree murder versus first degree murder. And the judge then reduced Donna's sentence to 32 years in prison with six years time served. So Donna is eligible for parole after serving 25 years, but she will be in her 90s by then. Mm -hmm. So one of the jurors, Ken Rudden, who originally voted non-guilty but changed his vote to guilty, now says that he caved and he still doesn't believe that Donna is guilty. (laughs) Like, um, I can imagine that happens a lot, too. Like, I've seen, like, fictionalized versions of this, but, like, I'm sure, like... Everyone in that room knows who the not guilty person is. And they're Mm -hmm. like, come on, let us go home. Let us go to our families, back to our job. Like, you know, they get pressured into just like conceding. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially because so many times they'll come back and say, hey, we're deadlocked. And the judge is like, not good enough. Try again. And like sends them back. And Mm -hmm. especially with this being her second trial, I can imagine that he's like, we're not going to do a mistrial and do this again. Like, make a decision. Yeah. Um. So the juror Ken said that the case was circumstantial and that there was no physical evidence tying her to the murder. And Donna's defense team says that they plan to appeal again, and Ken said that he hopes that she wins this time. So Radley believes that his mother did kill his father, but he continues to visit her in prison. Um, He said that his father had been abusive to his mother over the years, and he doesn't hate her for what she did. Um, He also believes that his mother wouldn't have killed his father if it wasn't for Francine Tice. So Radley blames Francine for this whole situation. Um, But after her second trial, Radley said he became tired of her always trying to blame him for the murder and ruining his reputation. So at this point, he stopped talking to her. (laughs) He's like, "You, you keep trying to pin this murder on me. I did not do it. This, you know, the first time was okay, he said, but the second time was like, this is enough. But I feel like if you're, like, you have to understand that, like, they need another suspect. Mm -hmm. And that they're going to have to drag you. And you're just going to have to, like, if you know, if you think your mom didn't do it, you're just going to have to be like, all right, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Like, as long as there's not enough evidence to convict me, then sure, you can. Because there's a big difference between you being used as a suspect to create reasonable doubt for your mom to be acquitted and you actually being arrested, you know? Yeah. Um, and then apparently she also ridiculed him for seeing a therapist. And so that made him mad and was part of the reason that he stopped talking to her. (laughs) So I'm getting some real dysfunctional family vibes. I mean, you don't stop talking to your mom after you think that she killed your dad. Like he says he thinks that she did it. He didn't stop talking to her after that, but she makes fun of him for seeing a therapist and that's the line. (laughs) 
So. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So that is the murder of Lanny Horowitz. Um, I'm not completely sure. I don't know. I think it was either Donna or Radley, but I don't know which one, honestly. Yeah, I find it kind of weird how Radley's, like, stopping talking to her over something so trivial. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like Radley has some other issues on himself, so that might just be Radley being Radley. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it had to be one of them. I feel like that would make the most sense. I mean, mm-hmm. um, what is I forget the name of it every time. What is it? Murphy's Law? The simplest is the thing that happened. The simplest thing. Uh, Occam's Razor? Isn't that Occam's Razor? There we go. <laughs> I get all Murphy's. my... Murphy's Law is anything that can go wrong well. And that's what happened. Lanny's dead. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> Lanny's dead, Donna's in jail, and Radley won't talk to her. Everything that can go wrong just went wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Courtney's like, I stand by what I But said. I meant Occam's razor. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I do find it suspicious he had no, like, residue on his hand. And I feel like there would be, mm-hmm. but maybe he wore gloves. I don't really know, like, the science behind it. Like, is there always residue on your hand when you shoot a gun? Like, always, no matter what? Can there be exceptions? Like... Also, how long does gunshot residue last? Because remember, the coroner didn't get there and declare it a murder until 10 hours later. And how many times did he wash his hands? Could have bleached his hands. I mean, there's cleaning supplies Mm -hmm. in his bathroom. Um, Or if he had worn the gloves and other clothes, whatever, no, nobody really had time to hide anything before the security officer got there. But for those 10 hours, are you telling me there was no point that someone could slip away? And, you know, I mean... Yeah, and I mean, Donna also makes sense because, I mean, I guess she was about to get kicked out again. Um, She didn't really benefit. Like, I feel like you should play the long game maybe and try to, like, marry him again to get some benefit. Um, But, I mean, maybe she just snapped and was like, how dare you choose Francine over me? And, you know, I would think she would be more logical, but I've also seen people are not logical. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I can see that because she's like, oh, this is what the fifth time we've gotten together and apart. And um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's there's yeah. not like a clear cut answer, like probably likely Donna, but could be Radley. Or they did it together. Maybe they were both in on it. Yeah. Or Francine snuck in and was like, you know what? Maybe she had a key bang, bang. because they were lovers. That would explain why there was no forced entry. Maybe these were rich people in a gated community and just left their door unlocked. Yeah, could be. <laughs> and somebody came in. I don't know why you would do that and not take <laughs> anything and just kill this person and have no motive. But you know what? Again, Tommy Lynn Sells. Did he ever have any motive? <laughs> true, true. Here is speculation corner. Here is us <laughs> literally blaming anyone and everyone who it could be. Yes, but definitely let us know your thoughts, um, who you think did it, because it's a good discussion, because I don't know. Um, Courtney, what is your perk of the week? Okay, so my perk of the week, um, so there is this local coffee shop in South Knoxville called South Press. Um, People around here may have heard of it, so it was opened by... um, Jocelyn Fish, who is a trans woman and saw a need for a sober, safe place for members of the LGBTQ community. So like, you know, of course we have like a few gay bars, gay clubs, but if you're trying to be sober, that's not really a good place to be. 
as a safe place. Mm-hmm. So she saw something she needed as a kid and wanted to give that to other people. And so she just recently was trying to move into this bigger building, a bigger space. And she, one of the inspectors with Knoxville did not like her, probably because we were in the South, and basically was putting up every single hurdle he could Mm. and trying to say nothing was up to code. Um, She fixed everything. And then it got to a point, I think it was Monday, where she was like, I put my last $3,000 in, like, I can't put any more money in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was like, I want someone, please, like, just buy this space and just leave it open and let it be a safe place for people, but I can't keep going. Mm -hmm. So then people in the community were like, no, this isn't cool. Someone started to go fund me. And within a day, can you guess how much money they raised? How much money? $31,000. That's just GoFundMe. People were also Venmoing her. I have chills. Like, I have chills right now. Yeah. So, and I was like bawling my eyes out reading, because you can leave a comment on GoFundMe and people Mm -hmm. just being like, this is something we need. Mm -hmm. And she is providing this for everyone. And like their original goal was 3000 and literally one day, $31,000 they raised for her. So now she gets to renovate everything Mm -hmm. and keep it open and... You know, hopefully it'll help her too because she's put all of her money and her time and her energy into this. And Mm -hmm. so now, you know, she can see how much what she's doing matters and how much it's needed. And it was just such a feel-good moment in a shitty world. (laughs) That is amazing. That is a wonderful perk of the week. Thank you for sharing. I think everyone would love that little, that warm, feel-good, fuzzy, and that's awesome. Yeah, because a lot of times... In Knoxville, in the South, you see so much hate, Mm -hmm. not even just in the South. You see it everywhere. Um, And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And then, like, when I was talking about, like, with the Southside Pride I went to and seeing everyone come together and just Mm -hmm. be happy and then seeing everyone just rally around this woman to help Mm -hmm. her with her coffee shop to provide a safe place for anyone who needs it. So Mm -hmm. that is my perk of the week. Jacqueline, what is your perk of the week? So my perk of the week is also local business related. Um, So actually when Courtney was here last weekend, um, we went to Fountain Bookstore, which is my favorite bookstore in Richmond. Um, They did just recently reopen from the pandemic. So they were doing like online orders. And at one brief point they had like, Um, browsing appointments but then they shut back down when cases started rising again and so they've mostly been completely shut down this whole time but they have still been working doing online orders doing a ton of virtual events Um, Mm -hmm. like they really they support the community so much they really support like local artists and authors and just a wonderful like local owned a wonderful local woman-owned bookstore Um, so it's super exciting to get to go in there and browse books again and just smell a bookstore if you guys love books you know what i mean just that yes bookstore smell and buy real physical books that you can touch um so courtney and i bought way too many books and now we're gonna have to mm-hmm. read them and then swap like we do so you know just <laughs> and she was like the nicest mm-hmm. woman 
ever. Um, she gave Sweet Little Millie a free yes. book for her first bookstore visit. And one of the books I bought, which I didn't even notice, was just like a little like wrinkled at the top, which I don't care because I'm probably going to destroy this book with, <laughs> you know, I'm going to read it in the shower with me probably. Um, take it everywhere. But she like gave me a discount and was like, oh no, I don't want you to pay full price when it's a little damaged. Mm-hmm. Like just the nicest woman. And I love supporting a local business. Yes, definitely. Um, so definitely check out South Press, check out Fountain Bookstore. Um, let us know your favorite local businesses, always support your local businesses, all that good stuff. Um, but tell us all about it on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod, on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod, on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast, or you can email us at caffeinatedcrimespod at gmail.com. If you want to support your local Courtney and Jacqueline, you can do so on <laughs> patreon.com slash caffeinatedcrimes. Um, we have early releases of our two-part episodes. We have bonus episodes, video episodes, Q&As, and monthly hangouts, and you get to join our Discord and chat with us about who killed Lainey. Was it Donna? Was it Radley? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it Was in the it Discord. Me? Did Courtney do it? Little 17-year-old Courtney. Is that right? 16? September 2011? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Something Too like long that. ago. <laughs> yeah. You can also follow South Press or Jocelyn on TikTok. She posts a lot of TikToks of oh. the shop, too, so you can see that. Um, and should we make a TikTok? Would you want to see? Yeah. Like... Jacqueline and Courtney telling stories really quickly. We could do like one minute murder things or we could just talk about random stuff or we could react to true crime memes on TikTok. I watch a little, a lot of TikTok. I'm not <laughs> going to do a dance because your girl's white and it shows. So I'm not going to dance. I don't know. I if might dance. Enough- if you, if you get us followers, I'll dance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I feel like we need a, a limit here of this many Followers, downloads, whatever. Courtney will do. If we get 50,000 followers on TikTok, (laughs) which isn't that unrealistic because people on TikTok will follow for anything, myself included. If we get 50 Apple reviews. (laughs) If we get 50 Apple reviews, not only will you get a pen, a sticker, and a $10 (laughs) gift card to the coffee shop of your choice, possibly if you win, we'll make a TikTok. And if you get... Okay, 5,000 followers, views, something. On TikTok, I'll do a TikTok dance of you guys' choosing. I'll let you pick. Oh. We'll do a poll. You can't make fun of me. Yeah, you can. It's fine. I'll make fun of myself. <laughs> anyway, don't forget our Apple Reviews giveaway. Please go do that. Leave some information. Get as many as you can. Um, and in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee. And don't commit a crime. Don't commit a crime.